1: This podcast is made possible thanks to very kind and generous donations from my listeners. If you'd like to make a donation, just click one of the yellow PayPal buttons on my website. Also, the podcast is supported by sponsors. The sponsor for today's episode is italki, as usual. That's the service I usually talk to you about. I think it's a really good fit for the podcast. You can get loads of exposure and listening practice by listening to the podcast free. And then you can get loads of speaking practice in your everyday life or weekly, daily, whatever you want. You can get loads of speaking practice in there too to improve your fluency or to prepare you for specific things like exams or job interviews and italki is just a really good platform for finding one-to-one teachers okay and remember when you buy some talking time italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson just because you listen to this podcast okay to get the offer go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks, and welcome to the podcast. It's International Podcast Day today. Monday the 30th of September 2019, that's when I'm recording this, and it's when I'll be publishing this episode as well. So if you're listening on the 30th of September, then, you know, yay, nice one, it's International Podcast Day. This is a day uh, when we are supposed to celebrate and promote podcasts as a medium. And uh, there's not a huge amount for me to say, except that, uh, you know, podcasting is great. I'm really happy to have my own podcast. I've been doing this for 10 years and uh, I, I'm, I fully believe in the podcast as a medium. And I listen to loads of podcasts as well. And so, you know, just basically podcasts are great, aren't they? They're a fantastic way to learn English um, and uh, to get, you know, tons of listening into your life. I mean, years ago, uh, we didn't have these possibilities. There was a time when it would have been really difficult to get good sources of spoken English, uh, you know, in accessible audio formats. You probably would have been sort of trying to tune into BBC World Service radio, maybe if you're lucky, or if you've got maybe some like vinyl with people speaking English on it. It must have been so hard to get audio Recordings of people speaking English just a few decades ago. And now here we are. You get like a portal into my room here in my flat where I record these episodes and send them out and instantly you can listen to them. It's amazing. Podcasting is brilliant. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you want to know more about International Podcast Day, you can go to internationalpodcastday.com. But anyway, uh, so what about this episode of the podcast, which is called The Climate Crisis Explained in 10 Charts? In this one, I'm joined by a fellow podcaster and English teacher, Cara Leopold from leolistening.com to talk about what must now be the number one issue facing the world. And this is the climate crisis. It's bigger than Brexit. It's bigger than the latest scandal involving Trump or other leaders. It's bigger than the fact that you've just made a cup of tea, but there's no milk in the fridge. This is bigger than all those things. The title, The Climate Crisis Explained in 10 Charts is actually the title of an article on The Guardian's website, which is all about certain key facts and figures explaining the climate crisis. In order to get a bit more specific and look at some data on the subject, Kara and I decided to go through this article, which contains various graphs and charts illustrating the way that climate change is happening and what the likely knock-on effects are. There are also charts about the growth of green energy and other possible solutions. In terms of learning English, there is language here to look out for. Obviously, there's the language we use to talk about the climate changing weather systems and other aspects of the issue but also you're going to hear us using language to describe data charts and graphs which is very useful if you have to write reports in English or when you write the writing part one task in the academic version of IELTS. So listen out for descriptive verbs and other terms for describing changes and trends. My guest for the episode is Kara Leopold from LeoListening dot com. That's L E O listeningcom dot com. Here's some information about Kara. So Kara helps intrepid travellers and adventurous expats improve their English listening skills through movies and TV shows so they can understand native speakers even when they talk fast. Her website is leolistening.com. She's been on this podcast before, if you remember, talking about learning English from TV and films in episode 523. So, in this episode, first, Kara and I talk about our personal experiences of recent changes in the weather and our concerns for the future, and then we get stuck into the article. You'll find a link to that article on the page for this episode on the website. You can hear us describing the charts, so it might be good for you to actually look at the charts that we're talking about and you'll hear us discussing the significance of the data. So let's get started. All you have to do is keep up with the conversation and spot the useful bits of vocab. I will speak to you again on the other side of this conversation, but now, here we go. Hello, Kara. How are you today?
0: Hi, Luke. I'm all right. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thanks. Um, it's been raining, uh, mm-hmm. which makes a change because uh, it hasn't rained for a little while. And uh, it kind of poured down with rain today. And there was that kind of smell that you get when it rains um, after a while, when it hasn't rained for a while, you know? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think I know what you mean, yeah. That rain smell.
1: There's that rain smell of it, you know, it's been dry for a while and then suddenly it rains and then you get that kind of rain smell. And uh, in Paris, it's kind of, it's good and bad. There's good rain smell and there's also kind of bad rain smell as well when you get the sense that sort of... uh, like stuff has been washed out of um, the kind of drains and things. It's a bit disgusting. Uh, But then um, when you're out in the countryside, you're kind of more in the countryside, aren't you?
0: Well, I'm in a city, but yeah, it's like more rural uh, here. Yeah.
1: So it's much nicer when you're in a more rural area and it rains. You get that lovely fresh smell.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it, well, here, like, there's, I think it probably just, it has been raining here too, which is good because it's been quite hot and dry. And, uh, but yeah, here, like, yeah, I think it just washes the pavements, which are mostly covered in dog (laughs) mess. (laughs)
1: That's, that's funny, isn't it? Why is, why is that? That in uh, a lot of these beautiful French towns and cities, There is quite a lot of dog poo on the street. And uh, whenever I bring this up with my Parisian friends, they will tell me that, oh, it's much better than it used to be.
0: It it is, um, because it did used to be worse. But yeah, here, like, people have, like, massive dogs in the city centre, like... Uh, like big drug dealer dogs, maybe because they're drug dealers. But yeah, like people the dr- have the,
1: the dogs are drug dealers too. <laughs> dog,
0: yeah, exactly. But yeah, they have like like it's like how do you keep that dog in your apartment? Like it's massive and it poos everywhere. Um, Lovely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but uh, how was your summer anyway?
0: Uh, yeah, well, it was a bit um, existential dread-inducing. Uh, yes because uh yeah so we had a heat wave every like five seconds um mm. so there was a heat wave in june just after my birthday so it kind of spoiled my birthday because yeah it just got really hot for like a week mm-hmm. uh and that's so pretty yeah y-
1: you live in you live in france though by the way so you know just in case my listeners don't remember you're basically from let's say what scotland you you grew up yeah, in scotland
0: well, yeah we can use that yeah yeah uh, grew up in
1: grew up in Scotland. Spent some time in England. University
0: yes. also, yeah, and even just living. Oh, you yeah. know, youth, uh, adolescence.
1: Yeah, uh, and then uh, and now France as a teacher. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. For, for quite a while now. Yeah, so I'm in I'm in 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 France, and uh, yeah, I thought I was being smart because we um, we uh, went back to the UK for holidays like at the end of July, and I thought, well, if we go at the end of July, we'll probably avoid the heat wave, but no. Oh, we ended yeah. up traveling during a heat wave and we, um, took the train cause I'm trying to get back into taking the train and not flying because yeah. of everything that's happening. And, um, uh, yeah, like I got an email from the SNCF, which is the French train company, like the day before we were due to travel mm-hmm. and they were like, there's going to be a heat wave, you know, you should consider like, uh, a canceling or delaying your journey mm-hmm. and I was like what but this is my summer holiday and the problem is when it gets above 35 degrees what happens is the train tracks start to dilate wow so the trains have to go more slowly so there can be delays I mean we were lucky because we left in the morning so it wasn't too bad so the train was like going quite fast and yeah. you know ran as 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 normal but um then we were over in the UK, and in the UK um, it got really, really hot <laughs> at the end of July. And uh, the actual overhead power cables of some trains caught fire.
1: Whoa! So really?
0: that's yeah, like um, so we were in London, and we met up with one of my cousins who lives down there. And the next day she was traveling to Scotland on the train. And so it takes a long time. It takes like five hours to do London to Glasgow on a on a British mm. train because it's. slow train and uh yeah she was like on the train for like 11 hours because of this overhead cable issue and the issue with the the track like it's just it's it's not what is supposed to be happening (laughs) yeah
1: we're (laughs) Uh, sort of getting to a point where almost like infrastructure is is starting to get pushed where
0: yeah, train yeah. Line,
1: literally train tracks are expanding <laughs> and overhead cables are catching fire
0: yeah it's like what is this like f- dystopian film yeah and, and then and then in scotland uh, there was quite bad flooding uh so like there mm. were train tracks washed away in the highlands um there was that dam in a derbyshire village the dam oh. started overflowing they thought right. the dam was going to burst
1: that was a huge story. I was in the UK while that was happening, and that was just on the news all the time. People being rescued from this town that was about to be completely flooded by this overflowing dam. Yeah. And it was a huge crisis.
0: I know that was so scary. I thought, oh my God, is it going to, you know, is it is it going to blow kind of thing? We had to yeah. evacuate the whole... I mean, in the end, it was okay, but the, 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 the dam is quite badly damaged.
1: It's strange that uh, we've got, on one hand, sort of very high temperatures... Yeah. And then also flooding. Um,
0: Not so strange though, if you know a bit mm-hmm. of science, because this was explained to me a long time ago by um, one of my friends from school who I haven't seen for years. But he was doing his PhD on um, like climate-related issues because he was worried about the issues, and he was—I think—he was actually studying this impact of like basically in a warmer atmosphere. Um, there's like more water evaporates, and mm. there's more water kind of held in the atmosphere and that Mm. is actually so there is a cause and effect thing here so more heating leads to more moisture in the atmosphere so Mm. when it rains like it it pours literally yeah Yeah. um and that's why storms and hurricanes and things are intensifying because there's a bigger take up of water so that is it is connected if i've got the science right uh, yeah (laughs) that explains why that's why that's happening
1: i see Um, yeah i mean extreme weather is you know the expression of of sort of the the way the earth is dealing with this sort of energy imbalance that we've got
0: yeah Um, yeah that's it that's what it's all about more energy in the system and then it all needs to come out somehow Um, there's
1: i mean i was i was just reading about it on wikipedia uh (laughs) (laughs) and uh, there's this thing called the energy budget which is kind of like uh as a planet we take in a certain amount of energy and we put out a certain amount of energy and the balance right. has to be right. And what's going on at the moment is we're taking in more than we actually, or at least producing more even, but the energy in the ap- atmosphere is more than what is allowed to, to leave the atmosphere. Right. Okay. A- and that's, there's loads of different factors that relate to it, including things like the the way that the um, polar ice caps reflect some of the uh, sunlight back and, mm. and those ice caps are disappearing. And so we're taking in more sunlight and also the, the greenhouse effect, as it's been known for a long time now. Um, So, yeah, we were talking about the sort of horrible heat waves that we had in France and in England uh, during Mm. the summer. In France, I think there were about three of them. Two of them were almost sort of unbearable. Yeah. Um, And um, I can't remember exactly when they were, but they were really awful. And uh, so those first two, I just remember being at home and you know we're kind of wondering whether or not to take our daughter to creche because at the creche there's no air conditioning so they're suffering oh my God. in in the creche there it's like boiling hot um and at night she's not sleeping because she's too hot you know yeah so you nobody's yeah no one could sleep nobody's was too
0: sleeping hot. yeah I was everyone's bit- <laughs>
1: getting uh, completely exhausted and drained during the day because mm. you, you cannot rest yeah
0: yeah, um, we yeah we bought fans because we, we knew that we weren't going it, to, it wasn't going to cut it, like, because mm. um, we obviously, like, now they have, like, information campaigns on the French TV, so they tell you to, like, the French love their blackout blinds, so basically mm. if you live in France, you'll have blinds, you know, on the windows, so yeah. when it's really hot, they tell you to put down the blinds. And um, during the day to not let the heat in. So we do, we obviously do things like that, but even so at night, it just, I think the big issue was the temperature not dropping enough at night Yes, and the building storing heat. Mm. So when it goes on for several days and yeah, even at nighttime with the window open, you're like so hot. And I was like doing things like wetting the sheets, like putting water on my sheets and getting into bed wet. Yeah. (laughs) And even then, like it actually all evaporates quite quickly because it's so
1: hot. Yeah. Um, there are loads of, loads of different tricks that everyone's doing. Yeah. So you've got like the, you know, taking some plastic bottles and filling them with water and freezing them. Yeah. And then putting those frozen bottles in different places. Like you can even put them in the bed to cool the bed down or you stick them in front of your fan and it works as a very sort of primitive uh, air conditioner. Air conditioner. <laughs> it, it Poor actually, man's
0: air conditioner.
1: <laughs> it actually works reasonably well. Um, so there's that. And yeah, so all other things like trying to get some kind of through breeze, but there was really no, uh, no movement in the air as well during that period. So it was very hard to get like a breeze coming through the window, through, through the flat. Yeah. So very, very tough conditions. And, uh, it, you know, it was...
0: Oh, I can only imagine in, in, in Paris. But, I mean, at least in Paris, you have that system where, um, oh, what do they call it? Circulation interne. So, like, um, basically when there's a heat wave, Mm. Um, you get like a concentration of, um, oh, I only know the words in French, particules fines. So, like the exhaust fume particles, yeah. there's like a, a kind of um, phenomenon where there's like a, when it's really hot like that, they all kind mm. of concentrate and get blocked in the atmosphere. So, actually, um, it's actually quite dangerous to go outside and breathe yeah. them. So, they basically have this system whereby, according to your um d'immatriculation, yeah. uh, your number plate. Yeah. yeah you on one day cars with this number plate can travel and on the next day it's the ones with the other number plate just to reduce the overall volume of traffic yes and where i live they don't do that so we're in a city of 120,000 people i think the traffic here is terrible for the size of the city mm. and uh, the 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 local government did nothing so like you've got a week of really high temperatures uh like you say the air is not moving there's no rain there's nothing and all these um you know exhaust stream particles are concentrating in the air and it's really dangerous for people and they did nothing yes so it's like you can die <laughs> we don't care
1: <laughs> you know yeah it's appalling i mean uh I, I yeah you said before what was it what was the uh, the adjective or the phrase you used to describe your your holiday you said it was like nightmare inducing or
0: what did or, you say yeah what did i say? existential dread inducing Ex-
1: existential, existential dread, dread. inducing, inducing. So, yeah there is there is that not even underlying feeling of dread now, but like a present sort of sense of, of fear about, uh, you know, the weather in the future and as it as it goes forwards. Like the last three years here in Paris have been mm. extremely hot in the summer, almost unbearable, really, mm. to spend time. Uh, this year, uh, France recorded its highest temperature ever on record. Yeah. The hottest day ever that it's ever had. And, and
0: so, uh, I thought that, I don't know about you, but I thought the news coverage was terrible because like on the news they were like, it's really hot. It's yeah. been 45.9 degrees. It's hot, in it? And they went in yeah. like, they were, they it's were, really like, hot. What yeah. a lot of scorcher. And they were like interviewing people in the south of France. Like, it's hot, isn't it? It's really hot. And like, there's no context. Like, it, it it's like, hang on a second. Like, it's not something to get excited about. It's like, whoa, we broke another record. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh Hello. Yeah, some some of the news coverage in uh, the UK was a bit like, "Well, hey, it's really hot again! Yay, everyone's going to the beach!" Like, uh-huh. yeah. you may be mm. missing the point slightly. Uh, sorry uh. to bring the, the the vibe down, everyone, but uh, this isn't really that great.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah, but I think the um, the the media coverage has been um, uh, of climate change in general has been quite bad over over the years, and um...
1: everything. <laughs> every every media coverage of everything in the last, well, (laughs) certainly the last three years has been Uh, appalling. Everyone agrees it. It's so funny. Like um, (laughs) everybody on all sides of every debate has agreed that the media coverage is terrible. terrible we're sort of swinging sorry we're swinging dangerously close to brexit territory here uh, oh, we'll swing uh, we'll swing back I mean, we can come back to that maybe because it might
0: how to shoehorn in brexit to well, every it's a not, single
1: it's not difficult is it i mean god it comes <laughs> up in every single conversation i have with anyone now because i'm like the you know token english guy in town so every french person i talk to they're like uh, oh what about brexit then and it's like stuff's happening and people are texting me going, what's happening. And right. um, like, oh. I was having my hair cut the other day. And of course, yeah, we just took talk about Brexit. We talked about it last time. And so he's literally oh. cutting my hair. And he's like, so hello, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, what <laughs> with Brexit? He's like, Maui. <laughs> oh. It's we like, automatically he talks to me about it. So anyway, um, where, uh shit we were talking about so record temperatures uh, record temper- thinking, yeah as it you know what's the next 5 10 15 years what are they gonna I,
0: do? I i know it's it's really well i'm like dreading the the summer well i mean that's like when i when i got back and i was getting back into working i wrote an email to my newsletter list and i just brought it up i was like you know uh i'm getting i'm not enjoying the summer now because it's because <laughs> i just yeah. don't know what's going to happen and um yeah and it used to be my favorite season and now I'm worried about it. And it, and I, I just, I just, you know, wanted to sort of get the the feelings out. You know, we've all got, we've all got feelings about this now because we're seeing sort of strange things uh, happening. And then, and it, yeah, and then it got me thinking about, well, what can, what can I maybe do at my little level um, to kind of talk about it more? So I think the big thing is talking about it because for a long time, I think everybody's kind of, not wanted to talk it's not really something you want to bring up is it like oh that climate change perhaps we'll all be dead in, <laughs> in yeah. 50 years yeah uh you know um and yeah there's there's i started getting really worried about it like as a young as a young woman i'm still a relatively young woman i'm only th- i'm 34 and I, the stuff we're seeing now i thought maybe i would see it when i was like 54 64 mm. you know i thought i still had time uh yeah. Turns out we don't, but yeah, I've been worried about it since I was about 20 was when I really started 19 or 20. I really started getting into, uh, you know, what the hell's going on with the climate? Cause I already thought the weather in Britain was getting weird. Cause I mean, the weather in the UK is weird anyway, but, um, it seemed to be getting weirder and, uh, but yeah, I got a lot of, I've had pushback from people like, you know, for wanting to bring it up or you know, for, for several years, I didn't fly. I did all my trips by like train or sometimes by the car. And, you know, people, people think you're a real like weirdo. Um,
1: Like an alternative lifestyle kind of weirdo.
0: And it's like, I'm I'm going on holiday. Like what's more normal than that? Like, you know, I'm a middle-class person from a rich country. Like I go on Mm. holiday. It's just, I'm, you know, it takes me ever so slightly longer on a nice air-conditioned train, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I um, much
1: prefer traveling by train, but than than by plane, myself. Anyway.
0: Oh yeah, it's much. It's much more. Um, it's much more uh, pleasant. But uh, anyway, that's beside the point. So anyway, I've been worried about this for a long time, and I've mm. gone through different stages of feels from being really worried and then maybe not so worried and maybe focused on other things or maybe a bit nihilistic like what's the point we're all going to die or hopeful or angry or I think it, it's a real emotional roller coaster and, and sometimes I feel really guilty because I'm like I haven't been doing enough maybe I should have been Greta Thunberg of my generation and then I would have saved the planet um you know uh and uh yeah I go through all kinds of emotions but there's no real like um Th- this has never happened before something on this scale. There's no like blueprint or playbook for how you're supposed to feel or react or, yeah. um, so I think it's quite normal to like go through all kinds of different, uh, feelings. Uh, and I think now it's totally legitimate to be like really worried, yeah. but in a way it's kind of good. Cause I see people who I never thought would talk about environmental issues, like discussing it and wanting to talk about it. And, um, absolutely. Yeah, but it's a shame that it has to happen like when stuff is starting to get really bad.
1: Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Well, better late than never, hopefully. Um, yeah. So on the subject of climate change, then I was, you know, thinking, what, how can we approach the subject um, without just kind of going over the usual sort of um, uh, ideas and messages? You know, we'd, I'd like to get a bit more in depth here um, about the climate crisis, because we are facing a a crisis Mm. Um, and it's not just, Oh, it's going to get uncomfortable in the summertime. It's kind of, you know, depending on where you live um, it's, it could be kind of like the end of uh, people's lifestyles as, as they know it, you know? Mm. Um, So we were looking for some data to, to kind of explain and talk about, which could be interesting from an English point of view, you know describing charts and all those sorts of things um so the climate crisis explained in 10 charts is the article that you suggested we look at Mm. it's on uh the guardian.com the climate uh, the climate crisis explained in 10 charts from the rise and rise of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to possible solutions so um the subject is on everyone's lips now finally um With, um, well, Greta Thunberg obviously is the famous activist who um, is getting so much coverage. Uh, She did a speech to the UN, was it, yesterday?
0: Yeah, did you see that? I cried when I watched it.
1: It was, it was, it's really, um, yeah, it's emotional stuff. It's really kind of heart-wrenching.
0: And it's funny, um, she says, um, you know, you've stolen, you've stolen my childhood and my future. And I also felt, because she said the science has been clear for 30 years, like I said, I'm 34.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: it should be sorted by now. Like, I should be able to get on with my life. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, and it's obviously much, much worse for her because her life hasn't even really started yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, very, well, it's very chilling watching mm-hmm. her deliver that address to those people. In that, in that way, I mean, she's so kind of, um, it's hard to explain really, but the conviction that she has mm. and the fact that she's, you know, she's just an innocent child. She's just a young girl who is stunned by, um, you know, what, what's going on and by the fact that no one's really doing enough to, to stop it. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's chilling. It sort of sends a chill down your spine. It's, uh, upsetting. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's shocking. We, you know, we can talk about things like the climate strike and some other movements and things like that. That have true, been going.
0: true. I'm just looking at this first chart. So yeah, yeah let's like... ha-
1: let's have a look at the first chart. What is the, what's the first chart? So we're going to, um, so listeners, we haven't actually like practiced describing these charts yet. We just know <laughs> that there are sort of about ten charts here. And we're going to try and talk <laughs> about them, but we haven't had a proper look at them yet. So we're going to be sort of attempting to improvise explanations of fairly complex scientific data
0: <laughs> well I don't, it's sort of complex but simple in the same way so basically like the the concentration of atmospherics here too well it just keeps going up yeah and uh we're putting it in the atmosphere so apparently like um, a safe level safe with uh, air quotes would be 350 million parts per million of co2 so actually i checked the other day and we went through that like in about 1988 so i was three years old so i was entitled to three years on the planet at a safe level yeah and then the rest of my life and i actually got annoyed because i was like well hang on that means my parents got to live the first half of their lives in a safer climate Hmm. and now they're going into maybe the last third of their lives in a much more dangerous climate, and I would not want to be an aging person. Yeah. In a in a warming world, so <laughs> look out, Mum and dad. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, just our, It's not just us. It's not just our children, but also you know older generations. Yeah. Um, so this chart that we're looking at is uh, yeah the level of atmospheric uh, CO2 carbon dioxide. And we've got on the left, is it, it's not the left, though, is it? Is it the, you've got the X axis and the Y axis.
0: Uh, yeah, if you want to be fancy about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> Let's be fancy about it. Uh, the Oh, it's been a long time since I labelled a, a diagram with an X and a Y. <laughs> it's
0: like GCSE oh. maths. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's honestly, since I was about 15 years old was the last time I did this. Hello, I'm interrupting here just to make a point about how to describe a graph. At this point in the conversation, we're about to describe a graph showing levels of atmospheric CO2 over time. CO2, that's carbon dioxide. So you'll hear that I'm about to explain what value is represented on the y-axis. And I just want to clarify which one is the x-axis and which one is the y-axis. So most line graphs look like a big L, don't they? with a vertical line on one side and a horizontal line at the bottom. The x-axis is the horizontal one, and the y-axis is the vertical one. And you can remember that with the rhyming mnemonic x to the left and y to the sky. Okay, x and left rhyme with each other, and y and sky rhyme too. In fact, y to the sky is all you need to remember, because if y is vertical, pointing up to the sky then the other one, the horizontal one, must be x. So the y-axis is the one that goes up and down, y to the sky. And on the graph that we're talking about, the vertical y-axis represents atmospheric CO2 parts per million, and the horizontal x-axis represents time. Right, let's carry on. Atmospheric CO2 um, parts per million. And so Mm. it goes down from, in 1960, it was like just under 320 parts per million. And now we are above 400 parts per million. Which is bad. And the safe zone was
0: 350. (laughs) Safe, air quotes.
1: Safe, yeah. So we're beyond that (laughs) uh, and rising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's atmospheric CO2. What's the next um, diagram?
0: Oh, some people won't like this. The cause is fossil fuel burning.
1: Fossil fuel. Okay, so we're talking about things like you know coal and uh, natural gas and, yeah, and oil. oil. Stuff yeah. we pull out of the ground. Fossil so, fuel. So,
0: funnily enough, as concentrations of atmospheric CO2 have been going up, so have CO2 emissions from fossil fuel burning.
1: Yeah, it's a very, very <laughs> clear co- uh, correlation. Yeah, the two lines look very similar. And they they, they know, do. Starting in 1960 down at um, about 7 billion tons of CO2 mm. from fossil fuel burning, all the way up to the majestic uh, total of uh, about 36 billion tons of CO2 uh, fossil, you know, from fossil fuel burning. Uh, and as it goes up, yeah, the, the uh, atmospheric CO2 goes up as well, of course, because you basically all the CO2 just goes out into the atmosphere. Yeah, it's not rocket, It's not exactly rocket science.
0: It's atmospheric. It's climate science.
1: Climate science. It's <laughs> not rocket science. <laughs> thing is that, people say that, don't they? It's not. It's not exactly rocket science. Rocket science is maybe of all the sciences, one of the more easier to understand. Because basically, you take a rocket, you fill it, fill it full of explosives, <laughs> you point it at the moon or wherever, and you just hit go, and <laughs> boom, off it goes, right? <laughs> I mean, like, whereas uh, like genetics, genetic science, I would say is a little bit more complicated. Maybe I'm simplifying the matter slightly. I
0: don't know. Maybe you'll get angry comments from scientists,
1: rocket, <laughs> rocket scientists, saying, "How dare you? How you'll dare get, you, uh, you Elon Musk?" Of... <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How dare you? I think he's got you know better things to do, but maybe he'll tweet me and saying, "I heard you, talk, mm-hmm. you know, belittling rocket science." So <laughs> it's, like, it's not my fault, mate. Just it's just uh, it's just, our, it's just the, the expression anyway. So, the um, what's the third? Um, I, thing? I'm not.
0: I don't get the third mm-hmm.
1: one. Uh, forest destruction. Okay. Forest destruction. Okay. So it says tropical forest destruction before. Now this is controversial at the moment. Shouldn't be, but anyway, tropical tropical forest deconstruction destruction. <laughs> not not deconstructing the trees. They're destroying them before and after international declaration in 2014 to tackle deforestation average annual loss in million hectares before and after the new york declaration on forests Uh so before is gray and after is red so basically before they are sort of half the size of the red ones which are afterwards Mm. so basically there was like a big international declaration everyone's like yeah okay we're going to technical deforestation no problem and then literally after that like quick double deforestation
0: yeah that is that is that is the weirdest chart like what okay great Africa, so we're Africa, doing
1: <laughs> africa's like the uh, in terms of like how much it increased is the worst so yeah like double just under much. two million double over doubled and asia did pretty well added a, probably about 35 percent and latin america and the caribbean may have added about 15 percent So that's weird. So there was a huge declaration, and then everyone just like, "Never screw the declaration. Let's just deforest. Go for it, guys!" Wow. Uh, So I guess that's sort of like saying, "Look, you know, our leaders are just totally not really backing up their promises on this."
0: No, but I mean that's no surprise.
1: Yeah, we've seen it, seen it before. Um, The consequences: global temperature rise. Do you want to talk? Do you want to try and describe this?
0: It's like a sort of squiggly line, yeah. Um, and it sort of shows it goes back to the year five hundred.
1: Looks like Donald Trump's signature.
0: It does a little bit, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and so you can see, like the sort of average global annual temperature, it kind of fluctuates around yeah. the same kind of level, pretty much. It even goes down a little bit um, around yeah. the Middle Ages,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: it starts going up again, and then it goes whoosh was a really, like, the line goes, um, yeah, the line goes whooshed. Uh, it goes right up at the end uh, uh, into the year 2000. Because, yeah. obviously, uh, all the CO2 traps, sunlight, heat, and that warms the planet. And it has had a really uh, dramatic effect on the global average temperature.
1: And you can see, yes, that's right, the line goes whoosh, which is not really <laughs> a phrase that you should write in your IELTS part one um <laughs> you know your little description of a graph you don't say and then the line goes whoosh I mean you know in in just everyday conversation go for it but uh, I wouldn't write it so you know how would you describe that um the way it goes whoosh but well, in, it's,
0: it's like a, a really sharp increase the line is like it's like pretty much vertical
1: yes um, it climbs
0: oh uh, very good
1: sharply sharply you could even say it soars, couldn't you?
0: Oh, you could, yeah. That
1: the, the global average temperature uh, fluctuates during the period within a certain sort of uh, limit and then soars in a very kind of uh, unprecedented way. Oh, um, I like that.
0: You'd get points on your IELTS for that.
1: Unprecedented, yeah, meaning it's never happened before. Check it out. Exactly. Um, so what else? The consequences, more more consequences of all this. The ice melting in Greenland.
0: Yeah, so this is a chart. This is the line is going in a different direction here. Mm-hmm. So here, um, so it's the ice loss. So It starts off there's zero ice loss or very little ice loss, and then it just keeps going. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger the ice loss.
1: Oh, I see. Uh, it, what, it, but the, the graph kind of goes from top to bottom, and it starts at zero up it, top, and then and then
0: it goes to minus four. Four. In fact, that. That is into
1: minus figures, so yeah. it's kind of going down instead minus of minus
0: four billion tons.
1: So minus four billion tons means yeah, that four four billion tons is what we've lost. That's why it's minus.
0: Yeah. yeah, and actually, but it actually says that Greenland green has lost almost four trillion tons of ice since two thousand and two. So I don't really know how to process that amount. Uh, you mean just, you
1: mean you don't know what portion that is of the total, I don't know what
0: that looks like, but it sounds like an awful lot, doesn't it? Four trillion tons. It's an awful four, lot of anything. Um, four
1: trillion tons, yeah. I mean, that's like more of that, maybe the highest number I've ever heard. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Have you ever heard a higher number than that?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Can
1: you can you tell me what it is?
0: I didn't. Bernie Sanders said that his climate plan would involve spending like sixteen trillion a year for ten years or something. He had some big did numbers he, about spending. Yeah, like a lot of money, and yeah, or a hundred trillion. Like yeah, a, a lot of the numbers thrown around about how to fix it are big. Yeah. Um. Because obviously, um,
1: it's a big situation. <laughs> it's
0: a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs>
1: Hello, this is me just interrupting the podcast at this point, just to give a little bit of um, information. So you heard us there talking about uh, 4 billion tons of ice, which have been lost from Greenland since 2002. And we're just trying to come to terms with this huge number, 4 billion tons. Uh, Is that a lot? Well, it certainly sounds like a lot. What we need to know is how many tons of ice are Uh, on Greenland at the moment so the four billion like how much of a portion of the overall amount of ice is that well I've just googled it and according to livescience.com Greenland currently has 11 billion tons of ice so four billion tons is a huge portion of that 11 billion total so we're talking about really significant figures so the, the ice loss, uh, obviously, is, again, in direct correlation with uh, all the other trends that we're looking
0: at. Yeah, God, that graph is really scary. I'm going it's, on to the next one.
1: Oh, no. It's totally <laughs> scary. Uh, oh, look, another, another very similar line. Uh, it's rising sea levels this time, going from zero, which I guess is like, well, there was no sea in 1993? Yeah, I'm
0: not quite sure what that, yeah, I don't really know what that means, and it even goes down to minus 20.
1: So I, I suppose, yeah. So I suppose what zero would mean is just where they were, uh, where we were in 1993.
0: Yeah, and there was nothing. Just, particular... That's when
1: when this particular record began.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so the axis, the x-axis goes from minus 20 millimeters right up to 100 millimeters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're about about like maybe n- uh, n- uh, just under 100 millimeters a...
1: of sea level rise. Just under 100 millimetres of sea level rise, yeah, in uh, since 1993.
0: Uh, although this is not good. It says sea levels are slow to respond to global heating. So even if the temperature rise is restricted to two degrees C, one in five people in the world will eventually see their cities submerged from New York to London to Shanghai. So just let that sink in, one in five people.
1: So this is if the temperature of the sea... Wait a minute. Sea levels, even <laughs> if the temperature rise is restricted to two degrees. So do we know what the temperature rise is, is predicted to be?
0: Um, uh, well, like right now we're at about one degree. And the, according to the Paris Agreement co- um, companies, pff, uh, countries are supposed to keep limit it to two maximum 1.5 ideally. But right yeah. now we're on, we're on a trajectory for like three or something ridiculous, like way above it, because yeah. nobody's actually um, doing anything.
1: Right, Tra- trajectory is a, is a perfect word here because if you look at that line, uh, the one from the previous graph that's um, that went whoosh, mm. right? The, the one that soared dramatically. Um, so the the line stops, I guess, around now, I suppose. Um, so if we mark that trajectory and keep going, the you know you'll be able to see. Um, make a prediction about the global average temperature um, in three or five or ten years or something.
0: Yeah, I and think the, they can... The, mm.
1: the line is so close to being vertical that you could easily imagine that we'd hit um, three, two, or, or uh, you know, this kind of rise easily mm. if it keeps going like that. Oh,
0: yeah. We're um, we're, re- we're really good at, like, heating the planet at the moment. <laughs> like, we've... <laughs> we, you know, if there was a competition... Uh, yeah. I guess we'd win it, like...
1: Competition for, like, international space competition for who can fuck (laughs) up the planet. (laughs) The the quickest.
0: You know, there's a crazy theory. Sorry, I'm just going to go off on a tangent right now. There are
1: lots of crazy theories. There's a crazy theory
0: that the reason that we've never met extraterrestrials from, like, a more developed planet is that because they... Let's imagine another planet where they also discovered fossil fuels... And burned them and started yeah. heating their atmosphere and at our level of development right we've we've we're heating the planet and we're also getting quite good now at um international space travel so that's also developing mm. but we can imagine that maybe in another planet in another galaxy or somewhere else they messed up their planet too and they were never able to properly get space exploration off the ground because they messed up their planet before they could like go on the Elon Musk mission to Mars, for example. Right. So that's apparently that's a theory about why we've never met extraterrestrials.
1: Because they, <laughs> cause cause they, of climate change. Because of climate, the climate change.
0: change. And they couldn't finish their rockets and get off the planet in time. But you
1: know the like the, 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 the conspiracy theory guys who love aliens and stuff, they're, they're, they're not going to like that. They're like, uh, what, what, there are no aliens? Why not? Climate change? Why are <sighs> you...
0: Or maybe there's just, or maybe uh, maybe even more tragically, perhaps we're the only ones who live on a planet like this where there's conditions for intelligent life, and uh, perhaps we, uh, and that makes it even worse, even more tragic because you know.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, If we are the only ones, I mean, it's 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 stunning. But really, you kind of think. I mean, we only know a tiny, 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 tiny fragment of the portion of a blip of the of the arse end of the universe. That's all we know, right? So, like, there's so much more of it out there. Hmm. There's got to be something else. I mean, even if it's, like, a few sort of little blobs, like, sort of, you know... Yeah, like it could just be some, some
0: bacteria somewhere, but... Um... About,
1: but, you know, whether it would, like, uh, evolve into sort of sentient life, I mean, God knows. It's just... I don't know. It's mind boggling. It really is. I mean, you know, didn't Einstein say something like, if you just keep going out into the universe, eventually you'll, you'll find you'll meet yourself walking back the other way because the universe is so sort of large or possibly infinite that it has infinite possibilities, infinite probability. And so anything's possible, anything will and can happen if you just wait long enough.
0: Well, okay, well, I want to find this alternative universe where we fix climate. Well, you know, done something on the climate, and like, I'm just like, well, good job. We are on track for zero fossil fuel emissions. Uh, The fossil fuel companies are running home with their tail between their legs because they've been defeated, and uh, we can all enjoy, uh, uh, you know, a really good future with clean energy. Where where is that alternative universe? I want to.
1: I would like to find that alternative universe and then say to them, oh, guys, you know the way you sort of sorted out your climate crisis? Do you reckon you could just like forward us all of the emails and the PowerPoint yeah. slides for that? Uh, and then we just do what they did and it would be okay. Uh, we're being very kind of, uh, what's the word for it? Glib? Um, I am anyway. Sorry, I can't facetious. I can't help it. Facetious and glib making, you know, jokes on what should be a serious subject. Sea levels are rising. And so, yeah, you said that... Uh, even if the temperature rise goes up only by two uh, degrees centigrade, one in five people in the world will eventually see their cities submerged under the water. Um, because even as you know, we're dealing with even very slight changes, slight changes in temperature, slight changes in sea level. We're talking about massive knock-on effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what kinds of things are we talking about here? That you know, like if the sea level rises by you know a few centimeters.
0: Well, I think um, so. One of the issues is because there's more. So we said earlier that as it gets hotter, um, there's more take up of like there's more moisture in the atmosphere. So when it rains, it it really rains a lot, oh, yeah. and and the sea level rise is connected to that. So I think that's also strengthening like hurricanes and storms. Right. So that's not good. And then obviously, well, if people can't live on what are the coasts now, then they're going to have to retreat inland. So that means that there's we're all kind of we've got less space essentially
1: so we're yeah. going to have
0: to try and like relocate ourselves um yes. you know and we we obviously we both come from an island <laughs> so um you know this is not good this is not good for for you know there's not that much space in the united kingdom and um yeah, so we we
1: we're, yeah. we're, we're talking about like reduction in the coastlines which so in in the uk that's going to make life difficult for a lot of people of course but then there are obviously large communities that live in uh, in flat areas, and yeah. you know, ju- mm. the sea level rising by a few centimeters doesn't mean that the sea is just going to encroach a few centimeters in. It's going to go up by a few centimeters, and um, that's actually that can be very significant in terms of like the tides and the way the water behaves. And yeah, can,
0: yeah, that's
1: it, actually, it. So it can, it can, yeah, uh, flood. We're talking about massive flooding of, of flat areas and things, and many people not being able to live where they live now and. You know, one in five people seeing their their that's, city
0: that's, yeah that's mad i didn't realize it was but i mean it makes sense because so many of the big cities in the world are on the coasts yeah uh yeah. oh that's really god these graphs are giving me anxiety can we skip one yeah um, can, we, we, sh-
1: can, we've got shrinking up go on which one do you want to skip
0: i want to skip down to the wind and solar energy is soaring
1: yeah oh, okay. they, they
0: use that word as well soaring
1: Yes, going um, very high.
0: So huge cost drops have seen renewable energy become the cheapest energy in many places, and the rollout is predicted to continue. Analysts also expect coal use to fall, but much government action is still required to reach the scale needed and solve difficult problems such as aviation and farming.
1: Right. So we've got um, cum- cumulative installed capacity. Oof.
0: Yeah, in, I think that's gigawatts, GW. Oh, I, see.
1: I see. So it's like how much power... These sources can produce. Is it uh, that, that's much? actually
0: that's in, actually installed now? I think that's what it means because you've got um, the y axis is years and the x axis is oh I get well I guess it's a projection because it's going right out to twenty fifty.
1: Yeah, we're looking at uh, basically. Um, Okay, so I, I suppose if it's like um, how much of our energy is going to come from different sources, you could I think say, that like must
0: a, be it. Yeah,
1: a breakdown of where the uh, energy comes from, and coal is currently the top one, but it's predicted it's to going down, go down long term, and wind is is going to come up. There's there's like a dip in the wind there. Uh, <laughs> in in uh, is that now? Is what? I don't know why.
0: It's like before 2020. I don't know why there was a dip.
1: Um, yeah. But generally, wind is going up and uh, solar power is going to go uh, up a lot over the next...
0: Solar, especially, yeah. Um, so
1: I, I don't know if this means that they, they predict uh, that we're going to find new uh, forms of solar technology. Because at the moment, solar power, in terms of like the space to energy ratio, uh, yeah, is not that great. It's not
0: amazing. Um, but I mean, it doesn't... It doesn't kill us.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's it's great. I mean, like a lot of a lot of uh, places now are encouraging uh, homeowners to put solar panels on well, the roof.
0: I think that's what's really cool about solar power is you can it can be like a distri- distributed like that. Like, like you can't put an oil refinery on your house, but you can put um, yeah. solar panels, um, which is kind of cool because then it's it's kind of de- decentralized and yeah. yeah uh, but there are also those really big, like massive installations. Uh, right. and like in deserts and stuff like that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is cool. I think all that stuff is cool. I, like, I, I like those windmills. Uh, I don't find them to be an eyesore. I think they look quite sort of awesome.
0: I think they those look cool. Huge
1: white windmills look better
0: yeah. than a coal power plant.
1: Yeah. And better than those electricity pylons that... that,
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't see how they are any... Yeah, Um, I mean, I used to be able to see um, from where I lived, we could see the oil refinery at Grangemouth, which is the biggest industrial site in Scotland. And it was still quite far off. And you could see it when we went out of our village. And I mean, an oil refinery, it's really ugly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it must be
0: horrible for the people that have to live next to it. Um, yeah, yeah. And same thing with a coal power plant, like
1: And a uh, nuclear power station as well. They're they're pretty dark things, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I don't know Well, when we have loads of them here in France, so uh, that's why everybody has a slight green glow to them because <laughs> we have all these nuclear power plants. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. There's one on the um east coast of England. Hold on a minute. Nuclear <laughs> power station near Ipswich do 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 size well uh, size well power station with its it's it's kind of uh, got a well-known like these white domes on the top Sizewell, oh, yeah. yeah and and so if you go to the coast uh in east anglia some some places you can see Sizewell power station in the distance and it's not a nice thing to have at the beach
0: it's not really because you're like you know what am i swimming in
1: yeah and, and just i mean it's safe you know i think it's safe <laughs> Uh, but but just this kind of sort of weird 1950s science fiction scary building at the beach is is not a wonderful uh thing to have there True. Um, all right so where do we go from here uh um, um
0: electric do you want to run a to touch on the climate strikes or yes
1: okay let's let's talk about the, the climate strike and then maybe if there are things that we can do because that's you know what everyone's thinking
0: well go on a climate strike i think is a mm-hmm. is a is a big is a big one. Well, apparently the two biggest individual things you can do are to stop flying and stop eating meat.
1: Okay. um We understand or, the f- we understand the flying one. Um, I'll just ex- the meat. I'll
0: explain the meat very quickly. So, like, I actually have been interested this in this for a long time because in 2005, I'm really ahead of my time, right? Because in 2005, I used to volunteer in a vegan cafe. Uh, I never actually became vegan. Like, I'm ahead of my time, but like, I'm a bit useless also, um, and didn't fly from 2007 to 2012. And then started flying. It's a bit yeah. Not very good. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the thing with um, going uh, vegan is that, so cows and, and, and cattle and animals, they produce a lot of methane because they fart, right? right.
1: Yeah.
0: And a cow farts a lot more than, you know, um, uh, other types of animal. So oh. the cow is farting out <laughs> methane. Methane is a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. It, mm. it lasts longer in the atmosphere, but its warming like effect is more uh, potent. Right, right. So if you don't have cows on the land, you reduce um, methane, right? So okay. agriculture, that's why agriculture is such a big contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. So get rid of the cows, get rid of the methane. And then, this, here's the kick, on the pasture where you had the cows before, you could then plant trees, and trees are a natural carbon sink because they absorb CO2. So actually there's a double impact if you stop eating meat, especially mm. beef. Because yeah. then you could rewild the land. And this is exactly what's happening in the Amazon. They're chopping down trees to put on cows. So the effect is doubly bad because you get rid of your carbon sink and you put a farting cow
1: on Right, the,
0: Right. So that's why, it's much, that's why it's worse. So beef, beef is the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, dairy is quite bad as well. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to stop eating beef and I'm playing around with different types of milk almond milk oat milk milk, rice milk trying to figure out which one tastes best <laughs> um, which
1: one tastes best
0: uh so i really like almond milk yeah and oat milk's not bad but coconut and cashew didn't really do it for me
1: not a bit too coconutty and cashew-y. Uh, it
0: was weird yeah i didn't really yeah i thought it would be nice but it wasn't wasn't very nice um, okay and not- also
1: I was going to just add that also not only do you have the animals out on uh, to pasture on that land but also you need to um use a lot of land to produce the food for the animals.
0: True. Yeah. It's and extra
1: and- land that then yeah,
0: gets Exactly. And now we can just put the food directly in our mouths if we're not eating the animal. So yeah. it's actually a triple kind of effect. Yes.
1: What about what about insects? Would you would you switch to eating insects?
0: Um, I'm sure I eat lots of insects by accident, <laughs> you know, because we always have mites in our cupboard, you know. Cause we, so I'm sure they end up in you know our food. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure did not the average person eat like two spiders a year?
1: <laughs> spiders <laughs>
0: Sorry, crawl, crawl into your mouth. Um, I think if they were mashed up, and I couldn't really see them, yes. But then aren't insect populations, like, declining a lot? And this is also a bad thing. So maybe we shouldn't be eating insects either because...
1: Well, yeah. I mean, only... I, I don't know if... I didn't know that all the insects were declining. I know that bees are. See, yeah. the thing is, right, the, the worrying thing is that uh, if we all start eat, eating insects, then there's going to be some people, some posh people, uh-huh. who start eating bees. You know, it'll be like, ah. oh, it's a very rare delicacy of bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, like it's bound to happen. Like we're, even if we switch over to eating insects, there'd still be some bastards who are like, Oh, you know, eating. Endangered but I have to have my
0: bee. <laughs> it's my human right.
1: <laughs> um, in, yeah, me too. If, if the insects were basically sort of turned into a kind of protein powder, which was then used to make other food, I would uh, consider that like a, you know, like a steak made out like a chicken breast made out of like, um wasps you know i'd consider it um (laughs) i don't know if it'd be made from wasps but you know what i mean like just generic insect paste
0: anything anything worse (laughs) but yeah so that's why um you know at least you know reducing your meat consumption flying um you can look it up like it releases a awful lot of co2 and it's actually worse in the upper atmosphere the the effect so if you can reduce your flights uh it and then go on a climate strike and vote for people who want to bring in, you know, climate policies to try and fix this.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, don't vote for those people who, who just basically just deny that it exists because they, uh, <laughs> they're they being propped up by the, the fossil fuel lobbies and uh, other vested interests.
0: Ex- exactly. The people who are the mouthpiece essentially for the fossil fuel industry. And don't read mainstream media because... <laughs>
1: i I don't know what about the guardian that's mainstream media isn't it
0: it is pretty mainstream but they are making a bit of an effort because they have changed the reporting to um they're calling it climate the climate crisis now not climate change and global global heating instead of global i don't like the way that they have talked about jeremy corbyn so i'm a bit annoyed with them
1: oh are you what you're annoyed with the guardian yeah yeah because i mean Mm-hmm. You know, The Guardian is, is like the, oh, I don't want to talk about left wing, right, right wing. But The Guardian is one of the papers that has, I guess, been pushing the story as a very serious concern compared to some other um, publications which have a more, have a different ideological outlook, you could say.
0: Yeah, the billionaire outlook.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, all you need to do, it's, it's not even very hard. It's not rocket science. All you need to do is look at the people who own papers like the Daily Mail which yeah. is one of the most uh, read and consumed papers uh, in the country. Sadly. Understand what understand what where they're all coming from, why the, why it is that they want the UK to smash out of the, the European Union.
0: Oh, there it is again. Brexit. Oh, God.
1: Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Watch out, everyone. There's a bit of Brexit on the floor there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Watch, no, no, watch but the the, the the fossil fuel lobby, I mean, if you, if you don't know what they've been doing for the last 30 years, uh, a really good podcast to listen to is Drilled, which is all about their climate denial campaign and all the time and money and energy and effort they've put into, um, basically, you know, delaying any action and Mm -hmm. continuing to pump out, um, CO2, uh, leading to the demise of (laughs) everything and everyone we love. So I don't, I, 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 I just just don't understand. Maybe they're going to turn out to be like reptilians from another planet sent here to destroy us. Like, cause I, at this state, at this point, I mean, I I do not get it. I just do not get these people and what they're doing. And yeah, for money, just for some money. I mean,
1: totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I suppose a lot of people also, they just decide that that they don't believe it. And, you know, you see a lot of arguments uh, that made by people on social media and stuff against the suggestion that, you know, we're in a climate crisis and, you know, they're just kind of basically plucking evidence out of their own experience. It's basically like, you know, I go outside and it's what about last last winter? We had like freezing cold temperatures colder than we've had for, for decades. Uh, you know, there's no gli- climate change here. It's not getting it's not uh, there's no global warming here. You kind of think, well, you know, you're not exactly a meteorologist.
0: Yeah, or a climate um, scientists. I mean, yeah. I, understand, I understand. Like, I understand the, the responses. I mean, people are you don't know what to do. People are scared. Like, denial is maybe a stage of like going through the process of like you know coming to terms yeah. with what's happening. But then, but then there's an, there's obviously the sort of paid bankrolled form of denial from the fossil fuel industry, which yeah. is is some you know something else entirely. It's just to protect their profits. It's not because you know people really yeah. believe that it's not happening.
1: I find it very dark and, and this um, depressing just looking at uh, the stuff that I see on social media. and You see one post about climate change and you scroll down through the comments. Cause I read the comments like an
0: idiot
1: Yeah. Um, on YouTube videos. And there's just a lot, a lot of uh, comments uh, from people who just like deny it for various reasons. And it's, it's just, it's depressing really, but um, you know, positive things. Can we end on a positive note here? What about a future? Let's envision a future in which things are slightly different. Yeah. How how could things be in the next few years?
0: They could be absolutely, they could be really amazing. Like I am so ready. I am ready for this transition. Like I am waiting, like, come on. I am waiting for my city to have fewer cars so that when I go outside and I breathe, I'm not sucking in filthy air. Yeah. So like I am waiting to see a city like full of bicycles, full of people in the streets, people reclaim the streets, um, you know, with yeah. uh, everybody able to, you know, eat local locally grown food, um, you know, people looking out for each other and not just like going down the shops and and buying crap mm-hmm. and maybe a future as well where we can work a bit less and share more. Um yeah, I think it could be, it could be, it could be great, like with more trees, more tree planting, um, fewer animals that are eaten for food. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It's possible. It's absolutely possible to it, yeah. like run and the world in a more positive way.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I don't know why people are like, oh, you know, it's all about sacrifice and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like you know, going on holiday by train is awesome and you should try it. Um, and, you know, like, it seems so, it's so trivial, some of the things that we would need to, to, to change. And it's just like, when you see what's on the, the other side, if we don't change, it's like, you know, when you're, when, you know, when it, when civilization has collapsed, you are going to say, oh yeah, maybe I should have like given up my SUV and had a, a you know, fewer burgers or something, you know? <laughs> mm,
1: mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we need to get excited about like what, you know what it could be rather than all this oh you know it's going to be sacrifice and hardship and blah 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 blah, blah. Um, but it there, will be if we don't do anything <laughs> there's
1: there's there's a lot of uh, technology involved as well which is good because you know we might be saved by technology and the the kind of um, green um, energy and renewable energy and things like that is really exciting and there's a lot mm. of innovation going on in that and area and it's
0: all getting cheaper and uh yeah and there's there's a whole new whole new industries industries are being created there's mm. loads of potential for jobs there's so much to be done like replanting trees installing uh the renewable infrastructure uh retrofitting houses to make them more insulated like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. loads of stuff to be done that we can all mobilize and you know just sort it out and that means no more oil refineries blotting the landscape yeah uh, or, you know, horrible, stinky coal power stations and stuff like this. Like,
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, Cara, thank you very much for talking to us on the podcast. Um, just as a reminder for my listeners, where can they kind of uh, find your work online?
0: Uh, yeah, they can find me at leo-listening.com. I just had to think about how do I say the name on my website so people don't <laughs> get it wrong. They can find me there. They can find me on YouTube. That's pretty much it.
1: For the moment. Okay. All right. Well, cheers. Thanks a lot. Speak to all you right.
0: soon.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. So that was my conversation with Cara Leopold from Leo Listening. And um, she sent me a few links and things referring to stuff that she talked about. So there's the Drilled podcast, which is all about climate denial and the fossil fuel industry. And you, you'll find links to all these things I'm talking about now. There's also um, the theory uh, that she, I think she heard on the Sam Harris podcast about how we potentially haven't come into contact with aliens yet because if they are also using fossil fuels on their planets to to fuel their their sort of technology, that there's a chance that they've also polluted their atmospheres. That there's a kind of a point at which. Um, If you exploit the fossil fuels of a planet to a certain extent, then it kind of you start to reverse the the kind of um, benefits of being there, or you destroy the environment. I don't know something like that. But anyway, I think it was on the Sam Harris podcast. You can find a link to that. There's also an article by George uh, Monbiot who which explains the environmental impact of meat and dairy, and also something about how um, uh, flying impacts. The carbon dioxide uh, level in the atmosphere in a certain way. Okay, so if you want to get, if you want to take a deep dive into the subject, then there you go, there are some links. So there you have it, just a conversation about the climate crisis. I'm not sure what else to add here, so I would like to throw it over to you and to invite you to make comments in the comments section for this episode. What do you think? Have you noticed changes in the climate where you're living? How are those changes having an impact on people's lives? Have there been any climate crisis, marches, strikes or other events where you are? What's the sort of political climate relating to the... to uh, th- That was an unintentional pun, ladies and gents. What's the political climate relating to climate change where you are? I mean, what's the sort of um, the overall political status quo relating to, to climate change? Does your government sort of take a proactive stance on this or does your government basically just sort of deny that it's happening and try to play down all the fears uh what's it like where you are so i'm going to write that down what is the political uh political climate regarding climate change where you are (laughs) see what i did see what i did there uh I spelled political wrong. That's what I did. Okay. Uh, are there any things that you're doing these days in an effort to play your part in the fight to reverse climate change? What are you doing? You don't. Know, you don't have to just go in and blow your own trumpet, but you know, I'm genuinely interested to know what people are doing out there to try and you know play their part. And generally, what are your thoughts? I would very much like to know. You can leave your comments as ever on the website. Just scroll down. There you go. Comment section. Boom did I really just say boom? I did. You know, that's like a thing that people say these days. So just scroll down. It's a bit like saying Bob's your uncle, I think. Yeah, it's like the cool young sort of um, thing that people say, like, you know, YOLO, that's what she said, you know, like boom. Um, So yeah, you just use boom instead of saying Bob's your uncle. You know, Bob's your uncle, which is like, first you do this, then you do this, then you do that, and Bob's your uncle. But you can kind of do it with boom as well. Like, how do you subscribe? Just like, uh, just stick that cursor over that like button and make sure you click the notifications bell, and boom, you'll be kept in touch. You know, that kind of thing. Um, So, anyway, leave your comments below, scroll down, smash that like button, and boom, I don't know. Anyway, share us share your thoughts on the subject. I'd very much like to read what you have to say, and so would the other Lepsters out there. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode. I'll speak to you again on the podcast uh, soon. But for now, on International Podcast Day, hashtag International Podcast Day, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...